Good to be here in God's house at Porchlight Baptist Church. Enjoyed the good singing, even the Christmas songs. It was, uh, it's good to, to sing them. You can sing them all year long. Uh, before we get into the message, I do have a few prayer requests I'd like to read. These are people we're praying for right now. Continue praying for my wife's family after the loss of her dad. We had the funeral service there on Friday. And uh, thank you for everybody that's reached out to us and uh, praying for the family. And remember my cousin Angela Bowman in your prayers, who's, she's been facing a lot of uh, medical issues in and out of the hospital, and uh, she needs your prayers. Remember uh, William Kittrell's mother. I don't know exactly what's wrong with her, but he requested prayer for her. Uh, remember my mother, Sue Chesney. She's uh, still having some health issues and uh, needs her strength. Uh, remember several family members that have COVID and uh, also pray for our homecoming coming up in September, be the first Sunday in September. It's September 4th. We'll be celebrating, that'll be our third year. Uh, started in 2019 and uh, so be our third year and we'll be having a homecoming celebration on that Sunday, September the 4th. So remember that. All right. Uh, Let's, uh, we're going to be in the book of Romans this morning, Romans chapter 15, Romans chapter 15, and we're going to be looking at uh, verses 22 through 33, Lord willing, as we finish out this chapter, and uh, there's only one more chapter after this, and it looks like we've got about 20, 27 verses after this chapter, probably be two more messages after today in the book of Romans, unless the Lord leads otherwise, uh, probably two more, and we'll finish this uh, sermon series, it's been going on since October of, of 2020 or 19, it's been, um, it'll be two years in October. Romans chapter 15, starting with verse 22, the Bible says, for which cause also I have been much hindered from coming to you, but now having no more place in these parts, and having a great desire these many years to come unto you. Whensoever I take my journey into Spain, I will come to you. For I trust to see you in my journey and to be brought on my way thitherward by you, if first I be somewhat filled with your company. But now I go unto Jerusalem to minister unto the saints. For it has pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. It has pleased them verily and their debtors they are. For if the Gentiles have been made partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister unto them in carnal things. When therefore I perform this, I've sealed to them this fruit, I will come by you into Spain. And I'm sure that when I come unto you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in your prayers to God for me that I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea, and that my service which I have for Jerusalem may be accepted of the saints, that I may come unto you with joy by the will of God, and may with you be refreshed. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Father, thank you for the reading of your word this morning. We're asking now that you help us. Lord, we pray for these names we read off our list this morning. You know each need, and God, we just trust in you to, to
to help them with those needs. And God, may we give you the glory for it. For these things we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. As we pick up here in chapter 15, where we left off last time, after Paul explained why he had so boldly written that letter unto them, he wanted them to know that where his heart was, that he loved them, and that the reason he would speak this way is because he had the authority from the Lord uh, to do so, but he wanted to make sure that they, they got the point. And it was a reminder to them. They knew most of the things that Paul had written, but it was written kind of as a reminder. And so now he's going to relay to them his traveling plans, his itinerary, or as I titled the message, Paul's hindered itinerary. Paul's hindered itinerary. Let's look at that first verse there again, verse 22. He says, For which cause also I have been much hindered from coming to you. So he now wants to explain that he is desired to come and see them. And he says on further down, years. It's been years he's been desiring to come and see them. But here he says that he's been hindered. Now that word hindered, we all know what it means. It means delayed or obstructed or uh, impeded, stalled, whatever you want to call it. Something that's prevented you from being able to do what you intend to do. Now Paul has been uh, hindered here. And usually we look at that word hindered as something bad. Like, well, you know, he's a hindrance to me. <laughs> that, that sounds bad. But here, Paul, this hindrance that he's had, sure, he wanted to come and see him, but this is not something to look at in a bad way because the reasons he was hindered. And we're going to look at some of those as we continue through here. Uh, Paul's reason, main reason for being hindered was because he was always following the will of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we can see that case, if you want to look there, in Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 7. Uh, and by the way, the, the book of Acts, you can read about all of Paul's missionary journeys. Uh, you, can, you can look through there at all three of them and see everywhere he's went and all these things he speaks of and all that. Uh, but here in Acts chapter 16 we see an, a reason that he's been hindered, that he's not been able to go to Rome. Look at it. Verse 6, Acts 16. Now, when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatea and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Messiah, they essayed to go into Bethania, but the Spirit suffered them not. So we see in this particular journey, Paul intended to go to several different places, as we, we see there. Uh, he wanted to go up into the area of Asia. He wanted to go into different regions around there. But the Holy Spirit, he says, forbid him, suffered him them not. Now we know that he spent time in Troas waiting on uh, the, the leadership of the Holy Spirit. That's when the man, man from Macedonia came to him in a vision, said, come to Macedonia, come help us. And then Paul, he realizes that's the leadership of the Holy Spirit. It's time to get up and go, boys. Holy Spirit speaking to us. And so Paul was hindered in all these cases because he was obeying the Spirit. And it's very important that we understand that uh, in our life, we will be much better off if we will obey the Holy Spirit, especially when it comes to your spiritual life. Uh, a lot of people... Um, 
kind of leave that out or they forget about it. Or maybe they don't seem that it's that important. Or maybe they've never done so. They've never relied upon the Holy Spirit for guidance. And so they've always relied upon themselves. And, you know, I, I'm guilty of doing that, of relying on self-will, self-abilities, and, and forgetting that I need to wait on the Lord. And that is one of the things. See, the Lord's timetable most of the time doesn't match up with what we want. And so the Bible tells us we are to wait upon the Lord. And if we'll wait upon him, he will direct us through the leadership of the Holy Spirit. If you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit living within you who will guide you. And he will guide you into things to do and lead you. But what we have to do is obey the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Now, I've done things I know that I knew that I was able to do them. I had the talent or the ability or the money or the means or whatever it was to perform some ministry, some act, religious act or spiritual act, and I've just struck out and done it because I knew I could do it. And I'm just wondering how many of those things that I've done throughout my life that I just jumped out there and started doing them without even considering Lord, is this your will? Or Lord, would you guide me? Would the Holy Spirit guide me into this endeavor, this idea, this thought that I have to do? I wonder how many things that I messed up because I did not follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And I can tell you in the other way, from the times I personally waited upon the Lord, Lord's laid something on my heart to do, and I've waited, and I, I knew I could do it. I knew I could jump in and get started and I've waited, and I've thought, Lord, if it's your will, please show me, guide me. May the Holy Spirit help me. And in those times that I've done that, and why in the world we don't do that all the time, I, I don't know. I guess it's our flesh. Uh, but the times that I've waited on the leadership of the Holy Spirit and obeyed the Spirit, it's always worked out much better. He always knows what's best for us. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean it's the most comfortable for you. It doesn't mean it's the same route that you would have chose. And see, that's the difference. You can follow the Holy Spirit or you can just talk like you're following the Holy Spirit. If he guides you to go in this direction and you don't want to go there and you say, well, I know a different route, I know a shortcut, I know another way around, you're not following the Holy Spirit. If you go that way, uh, despite it not being your chosen path, despite it not being what you would have done, you'll find it works out much better may not be comfortable, but it'll be better. Uh, now, we all know how strong-willed Paul was. We see that from the very beginning of the mentioning of Saul of Tarsus, how strong-willed he was. I mean, he was <laughs> zealous. And not only was he zealous before he was saved, but after he got saved, he become doubly uh, so uh, toward the, the Lord. Uh, while he was zealous for the things of the law and Jewish tradition and Judaism, before he was saved, he became more zealous in the things of the Lord Jesus and the leadership of the Holy Spirit after he was saved. Now, Paul started out this letter to the Romans. If you remember, if you want to look, turn over there, Romans chapter 1, we see that Paul starts out this very letter to these people explaining that he is in God's will, that he's waiting on the will of the Holy Spirit or God's will, the same thing. God's will and the Holy Spirit's will is the same. God the Father, God the Son, the Holy Spirit, they're all three in one, the triune Godhead. But here in Romans chapter 1, verses 8 through 15, 
Paul writes, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. And here it is, verse 10. Making request, if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. You see that? By the will of God. Verse 11. For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift, to the end ye may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto. Do you see that? But was let hitherto. That means I was hindered. I was hindered. That I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. So here Paul relays his desire to see them. He is, I mean, this is very important to him. Uh, he wants to be part of that congregation. He wants to fellowship with them. And to, uh, uh, he says he wants to, that he might have some fruit among them. So he wants to impart some spiritual gift. Paul is, has been gifted by God with all these spiritual gifts, and uh, he wants to share that with this church, this congregation. And, but most of all, he wants it to be God's will that he does so. That's what he said in verse 10, by the will of God to come to you. Not my will, but God's will. So Paul was hindered from visiting Rome because of the great work that he was doing throughout all the region there. Macedonia, Corinth, Galatia, all these different places in that area that he's been working. Remember, Paul is a, uh, is a true missionary. I guess you could call him the first missionary. Uh, as he goes around to places where most men would not go. This is the first time most of those regions had ever heard about the gospel. And so Paul was a, uh, what do you call him, the, a forerunner or a, um, I, I, the words escape me right now, what I want to say, but uh, Paul went to these places very, uh, the very first of anybody. Now, not only was Paul hindered from uh, going to Rome because of the leadership of the Holy Spirit and uh, his busy work that he was doing, but the many times that he was in prison, uh, the places that Paul went and he would cause uh, riots in the cities. He would be taken and beaten, stoned, uh, many different things, put into prison. And this was also hindering Paul from being able to go to the places that he desired to go. Not only that, but Paul spent a lot of time in sickness. Now, that area of the world in that day and time was a, a, a just festering with disease. The water was horrible. That's a lot of times why they drank wine, because it was not as polluted like the water. Uh, they had a lot of stomach ailments, a lot of uh, dysentery, uh, different diseases, and it would keep them sick all the time. Timothy was one of those. Paul talks about him. Uh, he needs a little wine for his stomach's sake because he was his messed up all the time. But Paul spent a lot of time suffering from disease and sickness. And not only that, but his travels over, what, thousands and thousands of miles on foot. Uh, this is time consuming. You know, we can jump in the car and be in Nashville in about three hours. <laughs> you know, 
if we were going to walk that, that far, it'd take us probably two or three days. Uh, Paul was having to walk uh, everywhere they went, so it was time-consuming. So all these things combined hindered Paul from being able to go to Rome. And Paul's been in the ministry at this point around 10 years. Uh, but he's always wanted to go there. Now look back at verse 23, or opening text, Romans 15 and 23. But now, having no more place in these parts, and having a great desire these many years to come unto you, whensoever I take my journey into Spain, I will come to you. For I trust to see you in my journey, and to be brought on my way thitherward by you, if first I be somewhat filled with your company. So now Paul's explaining what he's planning to do, his itinerary. Uh, I used to go on a lot of business trips, and every time that I would book a business trip with an airline, a cab, whatever it was, they always sent me an itinerary. It's a list of your travel plans. You're going to be here at this time. You're going to go to this location. You're going to you know, go to this layover at, at this airport or whatever. But I had this itinerary, and I followed it. Paul has a mental itinerary of places he wants to go to evangelize, Rome being one of them, but it's even further than Rome. Rome is just going to be a kind of a, a stop off there, stopping point for a little bit on his way to Spain, on his way to Spain. Now, uh, he says here that he has no more place in these parts. Well, what that means is he has shared the gospel into all the regions all around there. I named them off there, Macedonia, Galatia, Corinth, uh, Philippi, all these different places Paul's been. He feels that he has, he's fulfilled his mission uh, work there, that enough gospel's been spread, enough churches have been started, enough people are now evangelizing, there's more preachers. So his time there is over, and he knows he needs to go further into places where no one else has went. He wants to go to these, those faraway countries uh, that uh, have never heard the gospel. And so Spain is the furthest Roman region in that, in that world, westward. So uh, Spain at that time was growing. It was known for all the things that was going on there, the uh, commerce, culture, all those Roman roads that the Romans were building throughout all their, their empire, they were leading into Spain, and so there's a lot of people there. And Paul knew that he needed to go there so he could share the gospel with those people in Spain. It'd be the perfect place. Nobody's ever been. And so he tells these Romans, on my way there, I'm going to stop by and see you. But first, there's something Paul has to do. His, uh, his, on his itinerary, before he does all these, he's got to go somewhere else first. Look at it, verse 25. But now I go unto Jerusalem to minister unto the saints. For it has pleased them of Macedonia and of Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. It has pleased them verily, and their debtors they are. For if the Gentiles have been made partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister unto them in carnal things. Now, here where he's, he mentions carnal things, it don't mean fleshly or, or sinful. It just means um, physical things. It's, you know, physical things. So it's they feel it's their duty as Gentiles to minister unto the poor that's at Jerusalem, not only uh, with money and things and spiritual things, but also physical things, or as it says, carnal things. <clears throat> so, Paul first has to go to Jerusalem. 
he is obviously carrying around a probably a pretty good uh, amount of money that he's going to give to those poor saints that's in Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem, the church there, we know is the first New Testament church is where it was founded. Right after the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, when Peter got up, preached on the day of Pentecost, over 3,000 souls were saved, and then the church began multiplying, and we see thousands upon thousands, and all those people that had came there for Pentecost that got saved under the preaching of Peter, a lot of them remained in Jerusalem. They left their homes. A lot of them sold their properties and stayed in Jerusalem. And so they had to be taken care of. And a lot of people, you know, uh, in that time period, but a few, uh, several years have passed by then. I'm sure husbands have died, left widows. There's a lot of uh, people in need. So uh, this, these churches in Macedonia and Achaia, which are Gentile churches, they're, they weren't made up of Jews like they were in Jerusalem. These Gentile churches had it upon their heart to help those poor people. And so they collect all these uh, offerings, and they give it to Paul when he came to their churches. And Paul is now carrying that on his way as an offering to Jerusalem. And so he uh, he tells them, "I got to go there first and give this offering uh, to the the poor saints there in Jerusalem." Now this would be the believers there. So you could say the church at Jerusalem. Uh, James would be the uh, the leader of that church, Jesus' half-brother. He would be what you would refer to as the head pastor, the lead pastor. Uh, nowadays, there's pastors for everything. Uh, I was looking at one church website, and they had a pastor of this and pastor of that, and pastor of that, but that. I feel like there's one pastor of the church. You may have an associate or something, but uh, uh, anyway, we'll talk about that in some other message. Uh, so Paul's got to go to Jerusalem. Now, obviously, many of the members at Jerusalem were, you know, hurting. They were poor. And uh, so this is going to help them. Look at verse 28. When therefore I have performed this, and have sealed to them this fruit, I will come by you into Spain. And I am sure that when I come unto you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. So Paul believes his journey to deliver the offering to the church at Jerusalem is only, the only thing standing in his way from being able to see these people in Rome um, to continue on his next missionary journey. He's just going to stop off Jerusalem, get this done, head out, go to Spain, drop off in Rome on the way. And, but he still knows it's according to the will of God. He knows that. He understands that. And most of the time, our plans don't line up with God's plans. And Paul doesn't know it at this point when he wrote this, what all was going to happen to him that would still prevent him or hinder him from being able to go see the Romans. Um, he said there in verse 29, I am sure that when I come unto you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. In other words, it'll be the Lord's blessing that I get to come. I'm sure of it. So we see that Paul's intention was to do just as he said. Drop off this offering in, in Jerusalem, head toward Spain, stop off in Rome, visit them. He had no way of knowing when he wrote this what all was going to go on. He would be arrested when he takes this offering to Jerusalem. He's going to be accused by Jews of uh, polluting the temple, bringing in people that didn't belong there and polluting the temple. He would be arrested 
and he would be held for two years in prison because of a corrupt governor. Felix, who was corrupt, uh, he, was, uh, he was the governor of, of that area, and he thought he could extort money from Paul. So he kept him in prison, even though there was, Paul had done nothing wrong. They'd already been determined. He'd went through uh, several magistrates and, and rulers, and they said, well, he's not really done anything. Uh, you know, except cause a riot. <laughs> and it wasn't him that did it. It was uh, the Jews that were causing the riot. But he hadn't done nothing, and he could have been let go. But Felix uh, decided he was going to keep him there and try to extort money from him for two long years. Now, Paul ended up appealing to Caesar. And because of that, he's going to remain in, to, in Roman custody. Uh, if you want to read that where Paul was being extorted there, it's in Acts chapter 24, verses 24 through 27. I've got it down here. I'll just go ahead and read it so you, you have this context in your mind. Acts 24, 24. And after certain days when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way, for this time, when I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. He hoped also that money should be given him of Paul, that he might loose him. Wherefore he sent for him the oftener and communed with him. But after two years, Porcius Festus came into Felix's room, and Felix, willing to show the Jews a pleasure, left Paul bound. So obviously Felix didn't get the money he was hoping for. And two years go by, and he decides he'll just go ahead and let Paul leave uh, to make the Jews happy. Now, interesting enough, before Paul made it to Jerusalem, he stopped off in several places on, on his way, because it took several days to get there. And he stopped off in a place, and listen to what happened in Acts chapter 21, verses 8 through 14. Acts chapter 21, 8 through 14. Now, this is before he made it to Jerusalem with offering. And the next day, we that were of Paul's company departed and came unto Caesarea, and we entered into the house of Philip the evangelist, which was one of the seven, and abode with him. And the same man had four daughters, virgins, which did prophesy. And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. And when he was come unto us, he took Paul's girdle and bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle, and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when we heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? For I am ready to be bound, uh, to, not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when he would not be persuaded... We see saying, the will of the Lord be done. So that, of course, Luke is the human penman of the book of Acts. He's writing this first-hand account. He said, this man, this prophet, Agabus, came down and warned Paul. Paul, you're going to be arrested. They're going to arrest you and give you over to the Gentiles. And Paul, he knew it was, it was true because this was a true man of God, this prophet named Agabus. Uh, one way you can tell of a true prophet and not a false prophet is everything that they say that the Lord said was going to happen, happens. If it does not happen, they're a false prophet. Always. 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 Remember that. 
these nut jobs that's on TV that predict the end of time and they give dates and stuff like that, they're false prophets. They're false prophets. Well, isn't it amazing, though, how Paul was so obedient to the Holy Spirit, he was willing to be arrested and uh, even die. He said, he's, you know, uh, I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die, Jerusalem. So if they want to kill me for the cause of Christ, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm willing. I'm able. So, you know, I'm going. I'm not changing my mind, guys. You all, you all can bug me all you want. I'm still going. And there Luke said, well, we couldn't persuade him. So we said, all right, we'll just, we'll just quit bugging him about it. And if he wants to do that, he's, he can do it. And then he, he follows it up with the will of the Lord be done. And so I wonder how many of us today would do such a thing. Is our faith strong enough that if we knew for, for a fact that we were going to be dealt harshly with, maybe arrested or um, put on trial or, or something like that, would we be willing to continue on for the cause of Christ even though we knew this was going to happen to us? Now, we can sit here and say, oh, yeah, I'd do that. I'm, you know, I'm, well, we'll see. If that if that opportunity ever comes, or if that time ever comes, we'll see who will uh, have such faith. Um, the truth is, none of us knows what the future holds, especially here in this world we live in today. This world is so volatile. I mean, it is at a boiling point. Something is going to happen. I don't know what, but something is going to happen in this world. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if on the news tomorrow they announced that Christianity has been outlawed in the United States. It would not surprise me. I would hate that, but it wouldn't surprise me. Um, what if that happened? And they said, if you claim to be a Christian, then we're going to arrest you. Anybody with a King James Bible is going to be put in jail. Uh, you know, we're going to put you in a, in a, in a work program. And everything else, are we going to stand up and say, I'm Christian, I use I use the Bible, I believe in it? Or are we going to hide out? Or are we going to pretend to be uh, unbelievers? There are Christians all over this world that are facing persecution just because they believe in the Lord Jesus. In North Korea, if you was to tell anyone that you were a Christian and it got found out by any kind of law enforcement, government, that's it for you. That's it. They kill people for being a Christian. They, they rape women. They imprison them. They do torture and awful things just because they're Christians. Uh, I tell you what, that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where faith is tested and tried. Uh, but it wouldn't take a whole lot for this country to turn the same way as North Korea. Just the wrong people in place. Uh, this, this current administration we have right now in the, in the White House it wouldn't surprise me at all if something like that didn't happen. All right, let's look at our last verse and we'll be finished. Verse 33. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Now, Paul desired peace. And in most of his letters, he mentions that word peace. He wants others to have peace. Now, we all want peace. But the fact is, the world cannot give you peace. Alcohol can't give you peace. Drugs can't give you peace. Uh, carnal relationships can't give you peace. Big important jobs and titles can't give you peace. 
it may give you some comfort. It may give you a little bit of temporary peace, but it's not true peace. There's only one source of true peace, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to end this message by us reading in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. And we see where true peace comes from. Ephesians 2, starting with verse 11. The Bible says, Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that, that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope. Do you see that? Having no hope. These people Paul is describing here in Ephesians is people like us, Gentiles that had no hope without, without Christ. It says, having no hope and without God in the world. Verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Look at verse 14. Here's the key. For he is our peace, who has made both one and had broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments constrained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man. There it is, so making peace. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came, and what did he preach? And preached peace to you, which were afar off, and to them that were nigh, for through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Did you see that? Through those verses 11 through 22, peace. Verse 14, he is our peace. Uh, verse uh, 15, so making peace. Verse 17, and came and preached peace to you. So Christ is the only source for true peace. What does that mean to have peace? And did you notice that word enmity kept being mentioned by Paul there? That means you're an enemy of God. As long as you're an enemy of God, you're at war with God. You are not in peace. So this peace he's speaking of is having peace with God. Despite you being a sinner because of Christ and what Christ did. It said he was the one uh, making his body on the cross. He reconciled us to God through him. So we can have that peace. And without that peace will have an eternity of pure hell and no peace. I'm telling you what, it's so important that we understand that. Don't look to the world for happiness or peace or contentment. Look to the Lord. And if you don't know where to find him, open up the word of God. He's there. He's there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you today thanking you so much for the message. 
Thank you, God, that you can bring us peace. God, without you, there is none. Lord, I'm praying specifically for those today that may be listening, Lord, that do not have this peace. Lord, their life is in a turmoil. Lord, there's still an enmity with you. And God, we're praying today that they can have that peace that we so desperately need. Lord, we know that all we have to do is call upon the name of the Lord. Just believe in the finished work of Christ on the cross. Lord, that he was sent here to die for us, to save us from our sins. He was crucified, he was buried, and he arose again on the third day, thus giving us the gospel and the message of peace. Lord, help us today. Help that one that's struggling. Lord, help these that we mentioned in our prayer request this morning that's on our prayer list. Lord, help those that's here in the building today. Help those on the that's online watching us today. And Lord, may you be glorified in everything. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.